Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim Elmore, and I'm the lead pastor at Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario. And I'm Marshall Morton, the associate pastor of Memorial Baptist Church. And I'm Alex Walker, the corporate ministry director of the same church. All right. And so here we are uh, doing a, a new series. I guess it's not entirely new. We did do an episode last week. Uh, but the questions come up why are we doing a new series? Uh, is this just because we're COVID bored and, uh, and we have extra time on our hands? To which the answer is no, uh, because I, I find myself working far more now than I did before. You guys find that as well? Oh, yeah. Well, I have, so on top of kind of working through the day and just, you know, the general planning and prep and, and those types of things. I mean, I've got Zoom meetings five nights a week. Right. So I'm not bored. <laughs> I think for me, it's just that everything takes longer. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Right. Yeah. And yeah, so, the, so the issue is not that we just needed something to do. Uh, the issue is that for one, we really miss church. Yeah. Um, so that, I, that idea of us coming together. Uh, I, I talked about this in our read through the Bible podcast uh, is coming out probably the same week that this comes out um reading through psalm 122 mm-hmm. and in the line i was i was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the lord mm-hmm. man the weight of conviction for all the times that i've sung that song have you guys sung that song by the way i don't know that one are you old yep. enough you referred to a song but i'm not sure which song yeah yeah those of us those of us in uh in the upper stages of life uh <laughs> you know <laughs> For, I'll, I'll, I'll soon be 41 i'll soon be 41 uh so we'll that that song was uh I, I won't sing it for you i'll save you you can google it later uh i you know just singing it and i remember i remember even as a kid thinking yeah i mean going to church is okay i, I don't know that i'm like super excited to be like yeah church day Um, and sometimes it just sort of becomes the thing that we're doing, uh, and, and becomes a a part of routine and becomes common, right? Not common in that it's not special, but common is in, it's part of the scheduled week and, uh, it doesn't really stand out. Right. Uh, and, and this is one great thing that's come from this whole lockdown, uh, and the quarantine is a reestablishment of that gift that we have of coming together. And so, so part of this is that we want to reflect on that, uh, that thing that we're missing out on. Uh, The other part of it is uh, there are a lot of people who are saying things like, Oh, the church will never be the same. Uh, What we did on a Sunday morning will never be the same. Church has changed forever. Uh, We don't agree. I think uh, as a whole, I'm just going to speak on everyone's behalf on that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, No, I'll give you a chance. Say something about that. When people say church will never be the same, where do you think there's value in that? And where do you think people are just overstating? So my my thought is this, I I think a lot of the, because there's been articles um, that have been written and, you know, people suggesting some of the things that are going to have to change. And I think that might be true in the short term. You know what I mean? Like our first Sunday back, Maybe there's certain things that we're going to do slightly differently or, or the first few Sundays back or, or however the plan is rolled out, whatever the timeline looks like. But long term, I can't see this. I can't see this actually changing anything too dramatically. Mm-hmm. And I don't like I think a lot of the people writing these articles and, you know, maybe and I'm going to I'm going to fire a couple shots here. I think it's just people capitalizing on, you know, uh, the current situation to just be heard you know what i mean they're just like you know being almost like alarmist but in the context of like the church and so i don't really like it and i don't really agree and uh if anyone disagrees with me they're welcome to talk talk (laughs) (laughs) certainly short term church will be a little weird right like we'll have to do certain things a little differently you know we have a pretty small hallway of a lobby and that's not good for distancing so in the first couple of weeks back um, to, to services, we're going to have to rethink some of those things through. 
Sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to change, you know, the fact that we just move through the lobby. Like church is not going to be that different that we don't use that space <laughs> in that way. But it's going to be different that we think, you know, we should probably not have, you know, 70 people move through these two doors in the span of 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe how kids men comes together uh, or whether or not they stay in the service for a while. Those, those kinds of things are things that we're going to have to consider. I, I agree. Uh, but some of the things that people are talking about, like giving will never be the same because the idea of passing a plate and, and having offering plates go through so many hands is something that people just aren't going to be comfortable with. But that's not I'd really be, a change. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's not really a change, right? Box at the back of the room is something that's gone on for centuries, yeah. right? It, and it's probably more uh, traditionally, historically, a part of We'll get to the offering episode plate. eventually. Yeah, we'll yeah, we'll yeah, get to that episode. We'll there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so, so we don't agree that everything is going to change. And, and the biggest reason we don't agree that everything is going to change is not just because society uh, is not, and maybe in some opinions, so changed as, as it, it might be put out uh, that it has, but, but really the fact that we very thoughtfully go through the development of our worship services. Yeah. And we do what we do based off of conviction, right? Biblical conviction and not societal conviction. Um, so whether or not society changes, the Bible is still unchanged. And what we feel the Bible regulates for worship is still what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in some ways, this is an opportunity for us to mourn and reflect. In some ways, this is an opportunity for us to teach uh, and let people see what a staff meeting kind of looks like in some ways, uh, where we're really talking about why we do what we do to see uh, the thought that goes into it. Um, and hopefully, when we do come back, come back with a new appreciation for the, the various elements in the way that the service is structured. Does that sound like a good explanation? Anything you guys would add to that explanation of why we're doing this? No, I think that's great. Yeah, I just I just miss church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys can't see right now, uh, but Alex has a little blanket and a teddy bear, and he's uh, he's <laughs> not really <laughs> cuddled up missing church. I miss church. Yeah. Uh, so so here's what we're here's the structure behind what we're going to do. We're going to uh, talk about the various elements. We're going to ask the question: uh, How have we seen this done? in other churches or even practiced it ourselves in other churches. Uh, how do we go about it? Uh, why do we do it this way? And what would we like to see done differently? Mm-hmm. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about this, the section of the service that we call community life. Uh, that's, that's a sort of tag that Alex and I put on it when I first came here. I think uh, Pastor community life. came up with it. He called it community I, life? I think that was when I thing. came, it was just called announcements. I think I changed it because I wanted to be oh, clear. Oh, come on. We're going to I wanted to, I wanted to get rid of cultural <laughs> church churchies things. I like <laughs> the phrase, but it's it's not very understandable. Yeah, it, it, community laugh. We we understand it and we we know how we're using it. It's not something that everyone sees. It's not like it's printed in the bulletin or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh but really it's a division of the church service into two parts. Right. Right? Um, and so our church service has that vertical and a horizontal, right? The, the vertical being that opportunity where we speak to and hear from God, uh, through prayer and his word and that sort of thing. Uh, and then there's the horizontal, the side to side where we are recognizing our position as the body Mm. and we are edifying, uh, one another, celebrating, uh, mourning together, doing those things that a church does. And this is that front end, uh, which is the horizontal portion of our uh, of our worship, right? So and, and not Alex, they're mutually exclusive. Like only horizontal actions are only that way, and only vertical actions are only that way. Musical right. worship is is a blend of the two, in that you're speaking to each other the truths of the word, and also singing your worship to God. It achieves both of those things, and and I, th- I think this is just one of those things that's almost exclusively horizontal. Yeah, it, it's a it's a weight of it's a weight of focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we front end our services with a lot of uh, stuff that that are the more sort of bonus things. So Alex, explain to us what are the things that that make up a community life uh, segment of the service for us. So we start our service at the end of the countdown, uh, just jumping right into announcements, just like a formal breakdown of the items and events happening at the church. 
Uh, and then once we're finished with that, we'll call up any guests or missions um, moment, which we do regularly. Um, or if there's any uh, uh, guest speaker that's uh, attending the church in the area for an event later in the week, you know, that would be an appropriate time to invite them forward. Uh, and then at the end of any guest speakers, uh, the, whoever did announcements, usually one of the staff here will uh, then ask the, the church to stand and we spend a moment in prayer together over all the things we just talked about. And as soon as prayer is done, uh, we, we ask everyone to do a very taboo thing these days and we shake everyone else's hands. Whoa. Do you remember shaking hands? Living life on the wild <laughs> side. Is that something that we're going to talk about when in a few years? Hey guys, remember when we used to shake hands? Wasn't that crazy? It's so weird. <laughs> I certainly hope. We, I certainly hope that's not the conversation years from now. Unless, uh, hold on, Marshall. Unless this brings back bows and curtsies. Right. Well, wasn't it Mark? Because Dever that could be talking, that could be pretty awesome. Yeah, Mark Dever was talking about how uh, George Washington never shook anyone's hand. He would just do this like formal bow. That's how he would greet people. Now, yeah. that was probably at a time where people definitely weren't washing their hands. And there was probably <laughs> a greater risk of disease spreading even than right now, uh, just because of the time period in history that it was. Um, but yeah, maybe the formal George Washington bow will, uh, will make a comeback. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I All think right, so let's... just going just gonna to move to the upward chin nod. Just, <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah? Uh, the what up. So it's yeah. like the opposite bow, the chin. Yeah, the, yeah. Just, the, just the head tilt up, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, All right, so let's talk about announcements. I, I, don't think, I don't think that people think that there's a lot of thought that goes into how we do announcements. Uh, but there are a lot of suggestions on how we could do announcements. Um, <laughs> announcements are, I, I think, are rightly a part of a worship service. I don't think they need to leave um, because there's a lot that we have opportunity to celebrate. Uh, we want to communicate the opportunities. Uh, we try to change our vocabulary. We try not to talk about needing volunteers mm -hmm. uh, at Memorial because needing volunteers just sort of sounds like there's this organization outside of you uh, that you can volunteer with, maybe get a, a t-shirt and your picture taken and a thank you on Facebook. <laughs> uh, but instead, as the family of God worshiping together at Memorial, uh, family is expected to help out around the house. And uh, so your opportunities to serve need to be communicated. Um, and, and so those, those opportunities to meet that expectation are a part of announcements. And uh, I, I, think, I think up in front of the church announcements will always be a part of the service, but they will always be uncomfortable. You agree? I feel like, yeah, they're, they're kind of the one, they're the least spiritual aspect of what we do, I, I guess. I think I can be fair in saying that. So it's always going to be, it's always going to seem kind of distinct from everything else that's going on, which is one of the reasons why I love that we do it at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, it gets know, the not, ball rolling. It gets the ball rolling. You know, it gets people engaged. It also, not to say that those announcements aren't important, but it kind of gets it out of the way. Like we can deal with what needs to be said there and then we can, then we can begin to adjust our focus as we work through the other elements of, of community life and then into the rest of the worship service. So um, yeah, and I mean, the tricky thing with announcements is always, you could always say more, right? Like, I mean- right. And, and this is oftentimes, you know, the, the challenges and, and the frustrations that come along with announcements are, you know, what do we say? What do we not say? How early do we start announcing something coming down the road, right? And, and right. people have, you know, projects and ministries and events and things that they're passionate about and they want to make sure the word is getting out. But, you know, if we announce everything that's happening in the next six months, you know, we're going to spend 45 minutes giving announcements, right? And never get to the mm -hmm. rest of it. So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that um, it's a very, it's tricky. It's, it's tricky to figure out what, what to do and what not to do. Um, I know Alex wrestles with that. Maybe he can give some more insight. Into, into yeah. That. Before he does, I want to clarify something. I want to clarify what I meant by uncomfortable. Of all the things that we stand up in the church and do, giving announcements is way harder than preaching a sermon. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I, I oh. <laughs> all three yeah. of us. <laughs> just like doing the announcements oh yeah i mean no. i don't preach as often as you guys but uh uh 
I mean, we're getting better. You know, it's, it's something that, <laughs> that the end of, uh, of almost every service, it's something that Marshall or I talk about. It was like, oh man, announcements is awful. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then the other person says, it was totally fine. I didn't even notice. And yeah, we all become self-conscious at announcements. Oh, I can preach, I can preach a half hour sermon and, you know, not really stumble over my words or anything, but trying to get five or six announcements out. It's, ugh, it's brutal. I, I, yeah, I, I hate doing announcements. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But I, I will say that I'm, I'm more optimistic than you maybe on my approach of the spirituality of announcements, because I, mm. I do think it's a fun time to celebrate and to talk about what God has sure. done and is doing. Sure. Um, but Alex, let me put this question to you. Do we need in the world of social media and weekly emails, bulletins, spoken announcements, and PowerPoint slides? Do people get it? Or do we need all of these things working together? Uh, so, so in a lot of very large churches, um, they forego a lot of these things that we do. Um, partially just out of, out of logistics, you know, printing bulletins for a thousand people, probably, you know, you could spend that money in ministry a lot better places. Uh, so, so the cost of that kind of changes, but, but practically speaking, um, you know, having something in hand has a lot of value and, and it draws people's attention. So that's, that's the biggest reason why we still do a bulletin. Um, but in these days with way more avenues to show people what's going on. Um, I think it's a little less important. It's one piece of the puzzle rather than the whole picture. Hey, here's a, here's a thought, you know, of all the things we've talked about, cause we talk a lot about what it'll be like when we go back. Uh, do you think we'll have, like, I fight for bull- bulletin all the time. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. I think if someone comes and visits, especially they need to be handed a bulletin. Um, and, and it's also something for people to take home as a reminder of what they've heard uh, spoken. So I, I always push for the keeping of the bulletin. Will we in a post-COVID world, in the immediacy, be handing bulletins to people? Or are people going to look at us and be like, I, I know. I think a much easier fix is you just put a stack of them somewhere and let people grab one off the top rather than having multiple people with small stacks handing them out hand to hand. Maybe, right? maybe. At least it's I a mean, this is, measure. this is something that we'll have to look at in the next few months um, for sure. And, and there are many options, including a digital bulletin, um, uh, having, having the planning center church center app that everyone can see and see all of the announcements and the bulletin and, and, uh, and having that available and having everything available digitally, uh, you know, PDFs don't carry germs, uh, at least not, not that I'm aware. <laughs> they do. They do carry viruses. I think you're absolutely right, Alex, and that would that could work just as well for 95% of the church family. The problem yeah. becomes because we do right. weekly emails, because we do, you know, uh, social media, we do all of these other other digital avenues for getting the word out. There are still some people, um, you know, within our church family who don't who don't access any of that. So for them, the bulletin is the only means by which they're getting announcements. So I, I yeah, I, and, I know. What and it might be, might be short term only that we have to go digital, right. Until maybe some of these restrictions um, come even lower after we're gathered that, you know, maybe we just can't hand out paper bulletins for, for two months beyond even the time that we can gather. Right. Um, and then, and then we spin them up again. Um, yep. That'll yeah, be so when it. In a post-COVID world, come to Church of Memorial, where instead of handing out bulletins, we'll be handing out smartphones and iPads. (laughs) (laughs) Those things never carry germs. USB stuff. (laughs) Yes, yours. (laughs) All right. So, so in uh, we make the announcements, and announcements aren't only the things that are happening at the church. Uh, It also has to do with people, right? Uh, What people have going on in their lives. And uh, so we share those. And so part of community life, after we do announcements, we bring it around to the prayer and praise where we have those, those publicly listed prayer items where we, we take an opportunity, as, as Scripture tells us, to um, mourn with those who mourn and to celebrate those who are in a place 
uh, of honor, those who are, are celebrating it. So we want to do that morning and celebrating together. It's a fun time. We had a, an awesome streak last summer where we had four baby announcements on four consecutive weeks. Yeah. And, for, and for a church that is uh, on the bottom side of 200, usually closer to like 170, <laughs> 180-ish, four consecutive weeks of baby birth announcements is pretty stellar. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, the baby. You missed it because you were one of those, Marshall. But uh, (laughs) that's right. That's right. This the prayer and praise section of announcements is probably my favorite part. Like it's it's the reason we do all the other things. Like if we Mm -hmm. forgot all the other bits, this would be the part that would stay. Mm -hmm. Right. Um. And and it's also one of the easiest things that for those of us who've been in church a long time can get a little jaded sometimes. Um, I agree. Where we hear these amazing things week in week out. Or we hear people's sorrows week in, week out, and we start to get tired of hearing about it instead of mourning with those who mourn and, and rejoicing with those who rejoice. Uh, I know I've gone through seasons of that, um, particularly you know, in another um, section of church life, we had a lot of deaths, and that was just really hard to hear week in, week out. And, and by the end of that season, I just felt really jaded to prayer and praise. And, and you know, God had to convict me in that. And, uh, and, and it is... It is one of the best parts of what we do as a church on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before, you know what? Uh, there, is, there have been times when the prayer and praise has been particularly hard for me. Uh, and, and the reason was one of the hardest things to do, and, and I, hope, I hope this is a, a point of insight that, that people listening, uh, particularly people of our church, uh, will be able to listen here and go, oh, that's why they do that. Uh, because it, it can be hurtful to people sometimes. Uh, it's, it's hard to figure out when to take people off the list. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, especially when it's, when it's an illness, uh, if, if it's a chronic illness, um, if it's someone who is, is elderly and uh, they continue to struggle, people are like, why is that name off the list? Mm-hmm. Uh, why only when, when they have a, a relapse or a major event do we put them back on the list? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in part, that's because I've been in, in churches and situations where the list just doesn't change unless someone passes away. And, and I know that's a, a bit of a harsh thing to say, but, but when people give to that and they're just like, well, they're still not perfect, so we have to keep them on the list, then the list doesn't change. And working our way through the list uh, just becomes almost robotic yeah. mm-hmm. in the way that it works. And so we usually give uh, three to four weeks. If there's no major event after that, uh, the name can come off the list. It doesn't mean that it won't bounce back immediately after, but, but there needs to be sometimes that break uh, so that it, it just sort of hits the human consciousness in a way is to say oh this grabs my attention um and does lead me to pray for it right because we want it to be a point of prayer and not just a list yeah mm-hmm. yeah no i agree i think i've so i've seen it done and um yeah i I've, I've seen it done where every single person who is unwell uh or expecting a surgery or after a surgery or you know just generally you know shut in or whatever it is, every single person being listed and being prayed for by name every Sunday. Um, and I, it, it just became too much, right? It became, yeah. it became too significant. And I think that, that type of prayer, like going through all of the names, um, that is something that would better suit a prayer meeting. Um, or people in their own devotional prayer life going through a prayer list, uh, mm-hmm. people on our prayer team doing that sort of thing. I think, you know, once, once we're getting up upwards of, you know, 20 plus names, which again, that's, that's happened. There's been seasons at Memorial where that's been the case. And uh, it, becomes, it becomes a bit much for the Sunday morning gathering, um, mm-hmm. you know, unless we want to extend our, our services to be much longer than they are. And the, and the prayer team is partially a, a direct response to that. Not entirely, but, but did come out of that need was that we don't want to, to take people off the list because we don't care about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we recognize that the deep need for continual prayer mm-hmm. uh, in, in such a way that it would be called a petition that you're constantly going back to pray. 
Um, and, and the Sunday morning service just doesn't always fit that venue. And I think having something like a prayer team, something like maintaining personal prayer rest, prayer lists is a, is a response to that need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's why we do uh, have them listed in the bulletin, even if we're not talking about it out loud. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, sometimes if a, uh, if a person has a, a particular need, um, we will mention it the first time it'll still be printed in the bulletin for another three or four weeks. Uh, but if there hasn't been a change, we usually don't say things are unchanged. Um, mm-hmm. but we want to encourage people to be praying for each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it's difficult to know, uh, and, and to manage who we're talking about and how we're, how long we're talking about them, mm-hmm. uh, in that public kind of a way. Um, yeah. After the prayer comes the welcome. Before we get to the welcome, there's one thing we don't do all the time, mm. but we often have guest speakers. Well, let's yeah. come back to guest speakers because that's a special event. Okay. okay. <laughs> so let's, let's, go, let's go to the welcome. Okay. This is the most controversial 60 seconds <laughs> in worship service. Before COVID. Ours is, ours is, right, even before COVID, ours is exactly 60 seconds, uh, although I know churches that will do it for 10 minutes. Yeah. A lot of churches don't want to do it at all because they find it awkward. What do you mean by the welcome, Tim? The green, I'm, green, I'm talking green, about green. that 60 seconds of say hello to the person sitting behind you. Shake a little hand, shake a hand next to you. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. I, so I, I stick out in, amongst us three because I am very pro greeting time. Like I love it. Um, I'm probably, I think it's safe to say probably the most extroverted of the three of us. And so for me, like, I love it. Like I, I like to walk halfway down the, the aisle to towards the back of the sanctuary and, and find a couple hands. Um, yeah. Th- now but I also know that this is kind of like a point of, you know, a lot of people find it awkward. Um, you know, the, the Babylon Bee has repeatedly kind of made fun of the greeting time. Right. Um, and, and so that's kind of been a, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit, a bit of a target for, for teasing and whatnot. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of different views on, on how much of a benefit it, it really is. But I love it. <laughs> I find it so awkward sometimes, you know, and, and like the three of us, particularly as, as pastoral staff, want to make sure we're, we're interacting with as many people as we can. Um, and sometimes the greeting time, we sit around the same people every week. And then we only shake the same hands every week. And, and then we never, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just me, but like I always find that it's either awkward because you don't know anyone and you've either sat next to them and didn't talk to them or you sat next to them and met them and then five minutes later you have to meet them again and introduce yourself again. Like it's, it's just kind of weird. Right. Is a high person that I've already said hi to because we're sitting beside each other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, to be honest with you, I'm perfectly indifferent on it. Uh, it, if it, if it stays, if it goes, whatever, I, I understand when people like I've had people come to me and say, Hey, love what's going on. Love our Sunday mornings. Can we get rid of the handshake time? Uh, it just bothers me. Uh, I have never had anyone come to me and say, that's my favorite part of the service. Uh, maybe we'll get an email. Maybe we'll get an email to that effect after this. It's, but for, for all of my sort of indifference, and, and this is where I'm going to start throwing under the bus, uh, because what people are going to do is they're going to hear Marshall and they're going to hear what Alex just said. And they're going to go, Oh, so the influencer that keeps this in the service is Marshall. <laughs> That's not true. But that's not the case. That's not true. That's not the case. And so it's time to throw Alex under the bus and say, for all that Alex just said, Alex is the reason that when I say either way, it doesn't matter to me. Alex says, we have to have that handshake time. Tell us about that, Alex. A handshake time. um, As someone who, who manages a band uh, to come on and off the stage, um, it's a, you know, five to eight people moving in and off our, our small stage and then having, um, everyone plug in their instruments and make sure everything is running, make sure the sound guys are, are ready to go. Um, having that 60 seconds is crucial 
to avoiding this awkward moment of silence where everyone just walks the bass player, watches the bass player put on his guitar and plug it in and can't quite get it in. And, and I've been that bass player and it's awful. So, so until we find another 60 second diversion um, where I can get the band on stage, uh, it, it'll stay. Yeah. So it's, it's admittedly a transition period. Yeah. It's a stage, it's a stage change uh admittedly and that's not to mean that there's that's not to say that there's no value in uh saying hi to the people around you sure there is uh but when it comes down to why is the decision made for us the decision is basically transitional right and i like that you use the word diversion it's kind of our way of saying hey everybody look over there uh and then when you look back up the stage has shifted um and 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 i Go ahead. I, there, is, there is something, you know, diversion makes it sound like it's, we're playing a magic trick, you know. Uh, so maybe, maybe that's not the, quite the right word, but, but something we do try to, to aim for, and, and we'll talk a lot more about this in the music time and the offering time, um, that managing transitions is key to maintaining an, an atmosphere that promotes people to turn their hearts toward God. Yeah, a good um, flow that's not choppy and broken. Yeah, that, that's something that we really strive for. And and diversion isn't really the right word because we're not trying to divert people away. We're just trying to make sure that things flow in such a way that they can be ready and, and attentive to um, what's about to happen in, in that we're going to sing and we're going to hear the word. Um, and when things become awkward, people's minds wander. My mind wanders more than anyone else's. Um, mm-hmm. So making sure these transitions work well is one of my prime concerns is what I do. Um, and we lay out our service, not entirely in service of those transitions, but uh, to make sure that they happen well. Right. Can I, can yeah. I just, I just want to say one, one, one extra thing that we, I think we ought to keep in mind when it comes to the shaking of hands. This is something that I think of sometimes like, you know, we work with people on a regular basis. We have a lot of social interaction throughout our weeks in what we do. I mean, not right now necessarily, but normally we do. Mm-hmm. Right. And Tim, you've got a family and I've got a little one and, and Alex, you're married now. And, but there are some people in our church family because of their life situation and also in part because of the, the, the social distance that existed in our culture even prior to COVID, that that shaking of hands, looking someone in the eye, greeting them and being greeted um, is maybe some of the most um, intimate human interaction that they have in the course of their life. Um, so that's that's another aspect i think is really important again not for necessarily all of us but i think for some and so i think there's 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 value there just wanted mm-hmm. to. yeah and, and, and i agree I, I think there's a lot going on before and after the service where those opportunities exist in a more intimate way um but but on the structural side of it like alex is right there there aren't really other options um either yeah. you have the band standing on stage uh, for all of the the announcements and the prayer and the guest speaker, if we have one, uh, whatever is going on, they're just standing there waiting. Uh, or you have them moving during the prayer to come up on the stage. Uh, or you have that dead time where nothing is happening for those 60 seconds. Uh, none of those are better options. Um, it, people would drop off the praise team if they had to sit there the whole time <laughs> feeling strange. Uh, I know that f- because that's what communion is like, right? <laughs> right? You send the elders out to hand out communion and I just sit there and look at the congregation like, hey guys, <laughs> uh, waiting for communion to be handed out. That's another episode. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so that, that can be awkward. If we, if we move during the prayer, then, then that takes a very intimate spiritual moment where the congregation is corporately speaking to God our Father mm. uh, and uses it into a transition for the sake of service flow, uh, which is not an avenue that we're willing to explore mm-hmm. um, because that's not what prayer is. Prayer is a time when we humble ourselves before a holy God. I, I think when we talk about prayer as being in the presence of God, uh, corporate prayer is sort of like corporately us in that Isaiah six moment where we stand in the throne room of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isaiah would, there was nothing flippant or casual about the way Isaiah felt in that moment. And I think that we should have that same reverence in our prayer times. So no transitions during prayers. Uh, that's something that the church had stated before I even came. Uh, but something that I, I agree with emphatically. 
Um, and, and having just the dead time, if, if we're going to have 60 seconds of people going on stage and plugging in guitars and all that kind of stuff, why not give the people an opportunity to say hi to the ones around them? Mm -hmm. Uh, it just ends up being the best option. Yeah. Yeah. It fits yeah. there. I, one, as we move, move on from this, the, something that worship leaders talk a lot about in how we think about our music choices and how we do our music styles is church personality because mm -hmm. we, you want to always make sure that you're paying attention to the church personality. You don't want to be playing music right. that no one in the building is into because right. then they can't worship through it like that. You wouldn't do right. that. And, and a fun quirk about our church personality. And then people have brought this to my attention um, even from within the congregation to say that our church is almost trained to oh, finish greeting yeah. time at like a perfect 60 seconds. I, I don't have to say anything. No one has to start playing a, a cool piano chord to focus people's attention. Uh, the church just like stops greeting in exactly 60 seconds and everyone gets it's quiet true. and the room is silent. Mm -hmm. It's true. And if there's, a, if there's a technical difficulty with the band that we find in that moment and we think, okay, we'll just extend welcome for another 30 seconds. We won't call them back together. Uh, and we'll get, no, you don't have time to get that fixed. You're fumbling around with your in-ears or whatever it is. And you're the worship leader at 60 seconds. Everyone's staring at you like, all right, we're ready. Yeah, people are ready. People are <laughs> yeah. ready. And it's just, it's just a lovely quirk of our, our church personality. And, and that's a term I'll use throughout this series. It, it's just so funny. And yeah. it's something I've never seen in other church. <laughs> yeah. 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 We know our place. Uh, then uh, as Alex uh, alluded to, sometimes we have missions moments uh, guests that will be in town uh, from other ministries, uh, missionaries that are visiting. Uh, not usually our missions moments are uh, our own people, our missions committee sharing about missionaries that we support. Um, but sometimes the missionaries come themselves. Uh, and we do, we do five minutes, uh, sometimes 10 minutes between five and 10 minutes of talking about this on the front end. Um, rather than giving, uh, the entire service to that, uh, or doing it in the middle of the service. Hmm. Um, and, and this is, this is a change that, that I've brought. And I would say hasn't been universally popular. Mm -hmm. I will admit that. Um, and so on, on both sides from the, from the guests to you right. and, and from, from even, even the staff, I know I've struggled with this sometimes in, in making this flow right and, and having this work well, because sometimes people want 40 minutes of time and we say, well, actually you got five. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, so give me a chance to explain why we do it this way. And, uh, and like you said, we've had guests who have come in and said, 100%, I get it. I'm for it. Uh, I hear you. Um, and we've had guests say, I'm just not going to come if that's the way you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, which is to me pretty unfortunate. Mm -hmm. uh, but we said earlier that we, we have a, a distinction in the service that there's a portion of the service that is horizontal where we're focusing primarily on the edification uh, of what God is doing amongst his people and celebrating that and encouraging people in that way. Um, and then we have that part of the sermon of the service where we are given to God God in conversation to speak to him and to hear from him. Mm. And I don't want those two to be confused because both of them are important elements of a worship service. And, and someone giving a report is celebration and edification, mm -hmm. what God is doing. Yeah. Right. And so that needs to be at the front end. Why do I say five to 10 minutes and not give an entire service? Because I, I've been, I'm still a missionary, right? I tell people, people ask, you know, oh, you used to be a missionary. And I'm, I'm, you've heard this a thousand times because it's my, my common joke. Uh, until they serve biscuits and gravy at the local diner, I'm a missionary. Right? <laughs> this is, this, Southern Ontario is not the South and I'm a missionary. Uh, and so, but when I was on what everyone else would call the mission field, uh, South America, and I was brought into churches, uh, this is what happens in, in when the missionary takes the whole service. Uh, even when they say, no, they're going to come and they're going to preach. What often happens is this. It, it's, it's a statement to say, this is what God has called his people to. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. This is how I fulfill that. At that point, 
maybe what we're doing is we're saying, uh, see what I'm doing and not let's think about how you can be fulfilling what God has called you to. Uh, at that point, I, it starts to, for me to get a little bit gray. Um, mm-hmm. And then the conclusion of the service is, and here is how you can support me as I do what God has called us to do. Right. Right. And, and when I look at, uh, I think it's Matthew 28, the separation of the sheep and the goats, where uh, he says, you know, when I was, when I was hungry, you gave me bread mm-hmm. um, and, and so on. I don't think by proxy counts. I don't think that when we face God and he says, you know, what did you do with all of the commands and, and the, the mission that I gave you as my people, did you serve the least of these and in so serve me? Uh, I don't think we say, yeah, because that guy came and I gave money. Right. Right. I, I don't know if by proxy counts. Uh, and so what I, what I want the service to be is God speak to the hearts our hearts corporately and individually and inspire us to worship you and to act in our lives, to alter our lives in response to what you have spoken to us. And I just don't see that happening in these ways where we have uh, guest speakers who are giving reports, like a guest pastor who's coming in and just not just preaching a sermon, but is preaching a sermon uh, is a different thing. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is visitors who are sharing a report uh, about what's going on in their ministry. And, and what happens is the, it starts off being a good thing, even when, it's, when it is the preaching of the word. But then the focus, instead of being the focus on the consecration of the heart of the church individually and corporately uh, and the worship of God, which is what I believe the church service is ultimately about. Mm-hmm. It becomes a focus on uh, an individual or a small group outside of the local church and what they're doing in response to this message and how they can be supported by the local church. Is that fair? I think so. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll play the card because I'm the, I'm the young guy and maybe I can get away with being a little bit more direct about it, but like we cannot sacrifice the preaching of God's word on a Sunday morning. Like that's a non-negotiable, right? Like right. that has to happen for us to have a faithful gather, gathering of God's people. Like the, the word needs to be preached. And so replacing that with a ministry update. And again, I, I don't want to diminish, like I, I think foreign and local men, like, um, uh, missions work is vitally important. And I think it's something that we, we do have to take very seriously and give those people opportunities to share what they're doing. Um, but that is, but someone going through a PowerPoint slide, right. And talking about things that are happening somewhere else is not a suitable replacement for opening up God's word and preaching it. And so, and, and, and I would go so far as to say that if, if a, if a missions partner doesn't get that, doesn't agree with that, that's concerning, right? Because what is, what is the purpose of our, of our gathering, right? What is the purpose of, of that? So I just, um, I think that's, I think that's something that we need to keep in mind, right? That, that, that the preaching of God's word is central to our gathering and we're not going to replace that. And I'll yeah, we- get into this, right? There's other things that we do for those missionaries when they come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we have set aside this time at the top of the service alongside announcements to make sure that, you know, we will sacrifice whatever else we need to give them their five to 15 minutes. You know, if, it, mm-hmm. if it's somebody who's got something good to say, we believe in what they say. We support these people. You know, we're, we're not shortening them time because we don't believe in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we preserve the flow of service from the, the prayer um, after announcements all the way through the preaching of the word, because that piece cannot be interrupted. Yeah. Um, that is the primary and sometimes should be the only reason why we gather. Right. And, and I would even put that, that the preaching of the word comes above music. The preaching of the word comes above, uh, the sharing of the offerings that if we did nothing else and we only had five minutes to gather as a church, Mm -hmm. we would open up the word and we would preach it. Yeah. We wouldn't divide that in any other way. And, and by interrupting that, 
even if I wanted to play a cool song with a sick guitar solo, like if that came at the expense of 10 minutes off the preaching, yeah. I, that wouldn't be okay. Like yeah. that, that's not all right. Well, and I think what we've, we, what we have done in response to this shift is provide additional avenues for those missions partners to present what it is they're doing in greater detail, whether mm-hmm. it's at a luncheon or in the evening. And that way, those people who are, are particularly interested in partnering with that particular missionary, whether it's financially or in prayer or in other avenues, um, have an opportunity to do that in a more intimate way, uh, in a way where that, that missionary can then you know, go through the, the nitty gritty and, the, and the, the details of what's going on. And people have an opportunity to hear that, right? And, and maybe even ask questions, right? And there, there might actually even be a greater benefit to that than them sharing that, you know, from a pulpit as, you know, instead of a sermon on a Sunday morning. So I think I like our new approach. At, you know, it's, it's, it's different for some people, but I think it's, uh, I think it works. Yeah, I, I, what I want people to understand, and, and I understand that it doesn't matter how you say it, it's going to be misunderstood by some, but what I, what I really hope that people understand is that I, I love missions, local and foreign. Um, in addition to having served on the mission field, I'm president of the board of a missions organization, right? Uh, this is very much my heart. This is not to diminish those works. This is to elevate the time we spend in the word of God and the focus that we give on God. And when you only have the one Sunday morning service, there's only so much time to give, right? Uh, if we still had Sunday nights and Wednesday night Bible studies and all that kind of stuff, maybe there's more space for this conversation, but those things don't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and we have had organizations say to us, it's Sunday morning or nothing. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we just say, well, then it's nothing, right? Then, then that's the choice you've made, right? Yeah, even even with saying, you know, we will put our full weight behind getting people out to an event immediately following service, or we'll give you as much table space in the lobby as you need. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we want to prioritize that that preaching of the word. And and that's that's why we gather, particularly, you know, if someone wanted to come to church, you know, our society, people, you know, have very low tolerance for trying things sometimes. And, you know, if they got themselves up to come in through our doors and they heard 45 minutes about hearing about a missions organization and they didn't hear that Jesus died for them and and came to bring them a new life and, and to save them from their sins. They didn't hear that. That was our one opportunity. You know, I, I, that's just not great. I, we gather to hear the preaching of the word and, and the sharing of the gospel. That's, that's the number one thing we do. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. All right, so we've talked about kind of what we do. How have you guys seen community life done differently at other places uh, that you wouldn't point out as a, as a notable thing? I'll, I'll start that off and say, um, I've seen, a lot of times I've seen people like wanting to put the announcements in a place where um, they feel out of the way, but they want to sort of jump right in with a song at the beginning, uh, throw them at the end of the service. Um, it always feels like the credits rolling at the back of a movie. Right? <laughs> We've done what we came here to do. We're on our way out. Uh, so in some ways, is, in some ways it's ignorable. <laughs> all we've got to do is just add an X end credits scene. We've just got to add, <laughs> add, add a secret for the next announcements at the very end. Yeah, in, in some ways, the announcements at the end are ignorable. Uh, and, in, and in some ways, I feel like they're really anticlimactic, right? Like we've just been in the word of God and we've talked about some, some really heavy things, maybe, maybe some convicting things, maybe some really inspirational things. Uh, and then the announcements come in and it just sort of a buzzkill. Kind of a yeah. kind of a situation. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm, I'm not a fan traditions. of the announcements at the end. Yeah, that's that's true of a lot of older traditions. Is they do announcements right after the benediction. They say go yeah. in peace, and then no one goes in peace. Like everyone stays in their seats, and then the pastor <laughs> takes a breath and then starts announcements. Mm. Um, and and that that is also you know a choice you'd make in response to your church's personality, right? 
it would right. would not work for us. We would feel it like a buzzkill. It feels kind of weird because we set up this apex of our service of the sermon and it feels weird to come down into announcements for, yeah. for other traditions. It, it's just what it is. It's normal for them. Yeah. You know, right. That that's just how it is. And, and they expect, you know, we, we've heard the word and then we hear announcements and, and I've been charged to, to challenge my thinking on this because the sermon often comes as a challenge, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's one of the main ways we structure a sermon is to challenge people from the word and then to hear announcements and to hear opportunities to serve, to directly hear those opportunities to get involved. Um, it, it's not an hour separated between our announcements at the top and the sermon challenge at the bottom. Mm. It flows right into one another. Sure. Um, and, and I've been challenged that way in my thinking on how I do announcements at the bottom. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I've heard of churches that have felt the weight of the awkwardness of the 60 seconds that have gone to 10 minutes. Hmm. Uh, so that a podcast that I listened to, the guy, these guys were talking about how much they dislike uh, the 60 second shaking of hands thing. And then the one of the three that is a pastor, uh, they looked to him and they were like, you know, surely, surely you don't do this right in your church because uh, it's an awkward thing. He's like, no, we do it. And they're like, oh man, you know, it's probably part of the church's tradition and it just sort of stuck around and you can't get rid of it. And he's like, no, 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 no. we do it. We do it for 10 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. We do the, the, what we would call the community life. Then for 10 minutes, they go back out into the foyer, they grab their coffees, there's time to actually talk to everyone mm. uh, and have more than just an awkward conversation and then come back in. And, and they're a large church. They're a, it's, it's not like they're a, a tiny country church. Um, and, and they pull it off. Uh, my fear in that, and, and maybe, this, maybe this isn't good for a pastor to admit publicly, maybe it's a a lack of faith in, in, we'll some, in some of the congregation. I'm, I'm sure the congregation will tell me too. Uh, my fear is that you'd have a contingency of people that'd be like, it's okay to be 30 minutes late. Yeah. Yeah, probably a few. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did attend a church that did it that way. Um, it was a portable church. They set up in a community center gym every week. And, and because the kitchenette was right there, as most community center gyms are, um, they set up a full, it wasn't a breakfast buffet, but they had snacks and they had a team that brought in Timbits and, and made sure there was lots of coffee, like several vats of coffee and, and set it up in such a way that we would do our announcements. We would sing an opening song and then it was a 10 to 15 minute full on break. And then coming back from that break, the, sh- the, the tonal shift in the service was really dramatic that it was very focused, slow music or really, um, thematically intense music that was, you know, about the death of Jesus and his resurrection and then in, into the sermon. And it was just this marked split in what was happening that morning. And then this greeting time in the middle became this time to set up with your Bible in your lap, to get comfortable in your seat. Um, and then uh, that church's habit was a number of, of people in that church would pray in that time um, yeah. before they'd come back to sing and, and to hear the word. Um, and that was that church's culture and it was just the way it was. Um, so, it, you know, people weren't really showing up late that, yeah. but yeah, I could I'm, see, you know, if we changed, you know, that's not normal for us. Yeah. I'm not opposed to it. I think it's, I think it's an interesting idea. Uh, I'm not sure it's, a, I'm indifferent on it. I'm not sure it's a better or worse idea, just uh, a way that some people have it going. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they didn't use it to fix the band transition. <laughs> <laughs> Although you have tons of band transition, you have band practice in that time. <laughs> One of the things that I've seen done um, at a church I attended for a little while, and it was actually, uh, it's actually my in-laws church. And they're, they're much different. They're a very large church, probably one of the largest in Canada in the GTA. Uh, they do their announcements almost exclusively through video. Um, at times, if there's right. something particularly pressing or meaningful for the body, uh, the, one of the pastors, one of their two dozen staff members will, will get up and, and give a verbal announcement, but the vast majority of announcements, so they'll have like a running slideshow like we do, uh, but then they'll have a, a time of five to seven minutes of a few videos talking about upcoming events and ongoing ministries, needs, whatever it might be. Um, that is quite compelling. Like they, they, you know, again, they, 
they turn the lights down, they have the massive screens, they play, they play them like that. Uh, but it's something I have thought of, you know, since we all dislike getting up and giving <laughs> the announcements, right, verbally on a weekly basis, is that something that, you know, now that we're all so much better at uh, recording video and editing and that sort of thing through this COVID time, is that something we could maybe consider when we come back is, is, is the announcement portion of that community life. I'm not suggesting we replace the prayer aspect with that, but um, is it something that we could, we could maybe spend time on during the week uh, doing video announcements? I don't know. I'm not saying that we should, but it's something that I've, I've thought of as we've been doing video announcements over the last seven or eight weeks now. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. It's, it's something that, I, that we consider. Um, I would be hesitant to it. Um, in a big church where there may be many things happening and it can be hard to get information out and you want to ensure some certain level of quality from the stage, having a video gives you that control over what was exactly said and what information is exactly given out. Whereas we kind of ad lib our announcements, you know, we have our information, but we kind of just talk as we feel we need to talk um which goes both ways right good and yeah bad. <laughs> yeah good, good and bad sometimes we feel mostly bad as we've already explained uh but but in our church where it's much smaller it's much more personable um it might be a little weird we have we have two smaller tvs up on the left and right side of our stage instead of one large one to focus everyone in the room um you know we can't dim our lights the same way we're just turning them off which is a little less you know immersive uh and then it's complete darkness. <laughs> instead of like dim lights so so it would be different in our context than in a super large church yeah. but yeah, uh, I, I was gonna say I, I i can really see the the increase of the quality um and and that's that's compelling i i wonder about the relatability mm -hmm. uh, and the opportunity just to sort of uh be a bit a bit casual with everyone uh and just sort of relate in a way that says hey kind of we're we're in this um yeah i don't know I don't know where I stand on that. Right. I, I don't even know that I need an opinion on it at the moment. But, <laughs> but this, this is one thought that I do have. Um, my biggest concern in that is that there would be people that would start to wonder what it is that we do. Uh, and, and I say it for this reason. When, uh, when my son was three, my kids were playing church because we're, we're that holy in the Elmore house. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, but my kids were playing, my kids were playing church and Caleb was, to do church. Yeah. Caleb was the preacher. And, uh, and so the girls were like, you know, they got up there and, and at this point I, we were still in Toronto. Uh, but this, this service was structured the same way, uh, where the kids would go like right after community life, we do offering and the kids go down. That's next week's episode. Uh, but it was, it was Caleb's turn. And so the girls are like, Caleb, it's your turn to go up there and preach. And he walks up to the front of what is their auditorium, which is actually our living room. And uh, he says, uh, we're going to have a church picnic. Um, the kids are going to go downstairs. Let's pray. <laughs> and the girls are like, Caleb, that's not his sermon. And he's like, no, that's what daddy does. <laughs> uh, and so because he went down, before the uh the actual sermon his his understanding was people pay daddy to do announcements that's what a <laughs> preacher does a preacher does the announcements and then uh the kids go away and everyone hangs out until the kids are done uh so if if i wasn't doing announcements i might have my kids wondering what i do for a living i that story is amazing. I, I've heard that story a number of times, especially in conversations about this. You know, Tim, when you first came on, we sat down and went through every element together to, yep. to talk about what we think. And, and you shared that story with me. I, I think that's absolutely adorable. And, yeah. and it's also a very poignant reminder to us to, um, you know, keep that human element in mind. Uh, and that not that perspective is everything, but making ourselves visibly available that way has a lot of value. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, if we're going to do it just via email or just via uh, a bulletin, as, as many churches did for you know, centuries, is that they would have all their announcements in the bulletin and the service elements were all prescribed. Um, announcements weren't even part of service. You, know, you lose some of that element. And, and by coming up and giving announcements, it gives, um, it gives a, 
a more personable flavor to a service that can sometimes feel routine. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we need to wrap this up. We've held people long enough. Uh, <laughs> you guys have any final thoughts on community life? No. Yeah. No, it's not I, going anywhere. I, I would just say, yeah, I would just like say that it's, it's interesting because on one hand it seems like the least complicated or that it would be the least complicated, but oftentimes, you know, we spend a lot of time figuring out how we ought to do this. What's the right way to do this. And, uh, and so it's not, you know, we think deeply. I want to just let our, you know, listeners know we we think deeply about how we give the announcements and 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 how we, you know, pray for the needs of the church, right? So this is mm-hmm. something that, uh, you know, we just don't get up there and wing it. Like there's there's a lot of thought that gets put into this. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by Alex Walker. Talk to you later, guys. Bye. Bye.